welcome to church. <laughs> wow. Sometimes we have to do some things and God brings them out. God is not done with you. God is not done. This is just the beginning of a new door that God has opened and no man can shut. God is a God who is faithful and true. God is a God who is faithful and determined. Stop pushing on your own because you are not going to do it. You have to throw yourself in the divinity and begin to accept that he is God. Throw yourself into the Lord. Throw yourself in the depths of God. The moment you step out and get into that zone, things will begin to happen. Begin to pray. Begin to engage God. Begin to engage God. Begin to engage the blood. Begin to engage the works of the cross. Begin to engage the works of Calvary. Begin to engage God over your life. This is not the time where you can just relax and say it's just going to work. No, it's the time where we need to speak and we say, Lord, you are God. You are king over this situation, over my life. You have been on the same position for long. You have been on the same waters that are getting sour. But God is saying, I'm stirring new waters in your life. But as much as I stir, then you have to make the next step and say, Lord, I trust in you. And as you trust in him, trust the creativity of God in engaging in being creative, engaging in solving problems. Well, don't run away from problems. If you're running away from problems, they're not going anywhere. Be a lover of the problem and say, Lord, I am going to engage you in solving this problem. Running away from one is not your solution. Do you know that the statistics say the main reason for addiction, the main reason for addiction is denial of pain. Pain sometimes is good. Test comes with fire. But after the fire, that's where your breakthrough is. When you engage God from a mindset of God doing something in your life, when you engage God as God in his finitude. Oh, today I feel like I'm just going to talk more than go through things. I, I just sense that someone needs to hear this. You have tried so hard, but you realize that your trial has not yielded what you want. So let go and say, Lord, you come in. And as God comes in, he's not coming in so that you let go entirely, but you say, Lord, let's partner together. Partner with God in your day. Partner with God in your walk. Partner with God in your thinking. Partner with God in your business ideas. Partner with God in your study. The moment you engage God in that dimension, God shows up for you in different areas. In different ways. In the speed of life, things will change. Things will transmute because of the presence of God in your life. We've just had communion. That's one of the tools you need to consistently have in your own life. Because communion, what it does, it transmutes your body, your circumstances, and it identifies with the crucifixion, with the blood, with the dying and the resurrection of the Lord. 
physical go further and you study in the book of Colossians, you study in the book of Philippians, you study in the book of Ephesians, one of the emphasis is we died in Christ. And we don't exist because we are in Christ. When we are holding on to our existence as individuals, we will not step to where God wants us to. But when we realize that we are the redeemed of the Lord, may the redeemed of the Lord say so, the Bible says. When we step into that region where we begin to hold God and we say, Lord my God, you are my redeemer. I live in your redemption and I live in your promises. I live in your love and I live in your wisdom. When we step in and we say, Lord, how do we walk from this? Things change. It's important that we give God his place. One of the things that we need to realize is God has called us for a life of living in his presence, living in victory. Victory is not always measured by materialistic measurement. Before I delve into the subject I have today, I have to define one of the parameters that sustains the Christian, that sustains the believer in the things of God. One of the things that sustains you as a believer is an understanding of your doctrinal values. Clarity of your doctrinal position, which is what do you believe? Who do you believe in? What is it that you say, this is me? Well, for the generation that doesn't know where they are going, whether they are male or they are female, someone to be male, someone to be female, some wants to be in between. But for you, my brother, who is a believer, there's a position you need to take on where you say, I am this. I am a believer in Christ. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Father. I believe in the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, when the waves and the tides of life come over, they just wipe you around. What's your doctrinal value? Yes, you have been told by many that character is more important than doctrine. Yes, in a way they might say so, but your doctrinal value is something that doesn't change, whereas character can be changed depending on what you're exposed to. It can be built and molded differently, but you need to identify yourself from the point of saying, Lord, this is what I believe, this is what I hold on to. Whether you are in business, whether you are in school, whether you are in development. Do you know one of the things that's very interesting about the world is that people that make it in the world are people that have got a strong will. Let me just divert a bit. I'm talking about worship. But one of the things that you find is when you talk about the successful people, if you talk about Warren Buffett, if you talk about Elon Musk, even some of the ones that you don't like, one thing that is unique about them is a strong-centered will. When you develop your will in the Lord in terms of saying, Lord, this is what I want. It's you who I want. It's a relationship with you I thrive for. It's you whom I live for. Every breath I take, Lord, may it be a reason. May it signify and shout out to the world that you are God, my Lord, my God. Then things begin to move differently. You won't be tossed and turned by different things. I remember when I was a young man, one of the things that sustained me and my wife 
to the play of marriage in different areas was one fundamental principle. We agreed on the doctrine that we believe. We agreed on the will. It doesn't mean that you're not tested. No. But when you have the basis of going back and saying, Lord, I still believe you are God. I still believe you are my king. I still believe in the power of the blood. I still believe in healing. I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I believe in the life in God. I believe in one eternal God. I believe in one faithful God. Then you are able to establish yourself in the things of God. So it's important that we establish ourselves clearly and fundamentally correct in the things of God. I'll tell you for instance, that's why sometimes it's important to do things like DNA. It's not just it's not just something, but it's important that you establish yourself in a setting that gives you a launching pad. A launching pad allows you to go and do more things in the spirit, walk your way with Christ, do more things, believe more, do more. As a business person, you are able to go down and say, I'm praying for one, two, three. But if your values are undermined, you can't even define, you don't even understand, am I doing this right? Am I following God? But God has called you to actually do business. As an inventor, as an engineer, you're called to do something. But your values have to be streamlined and be clearly, fundamentally drilled into the foundation who is Christ himself. Hope I'm not shouting. <laughs> I'm just passionate. <laughs> just say everybody's passionate. So why did we go through all this? It's important that we establish a fundamental doctrine that we realize that we are called by God. That's why we are called to live a life of abiding in the presence of God. As a believer, when you wake up each and every day, your clock ticks and you join in to the, to the, to the normal powers of the day from your rest, right? But in that moment, creation says, wow! We are expectant to feel and hear what the sons of God have to deliver into the world. Because you are meant to walk from the presence of God into the day. You are meant to engage God into the activities of the day and the activities of the night. Just a teaser. Do you know that in the Greek there are two words that actually define night? One of it is the night which ends before 12 and there's a night which is lower night. When he says joy comes in the morning, it's not coming in the dawn of the day, but the midnight starting at zero. That's why it says the darkest part of the night is the shortest. That's the night. But when you understand that, the Bible goes on to say his mercies new each and every day. His mercies endure forever. You step into the day from a present perspective, things begin to change. Things begin to transform. Calculus begin to be simple because you are looking at particles from a spiritual dimension. Business becomes a different attitude because you are realizing that I am serving one mighty God who is king all by himself who is not missing anything but saw something in me and gave his life and says, because of you, I live, I am going to walk on earth and make sure that you have got eternal life. 
because of you. I am mindful of you. God, in the book of Psalms, says, what is man that, that you are mindful of him? God is mindful of man. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless, void, no light in it, and darkness was upon the, 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 upon the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered upon him. And in and chapter and verse 3 says that, and God said, let there be light, and the light God said it was good. And then it goes to talk about God separated the darkness from the light. The essence of light is because he wanted you to be a unique mystery that carries the Godhead's power and authority. So when you walk from the presence of God, right now, one of the things that's happening is because you're born again, you are seated up above in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The angels look up and say, what are they going to do next? Because they're looking unto you. But if you don't take an initiative to grow into your sonship, you still don't walk in the authority that you're called to walk into. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, Yahweh took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden. One of the things that is interesting is you were, you and me were created for fellowship with the Father. A believer is an inherent, is an inherent appetite to worship God. If you find yourself low, realize that you need to do something. Open the tap and connect to God and worship. That's what makes you move. That's what makes you alive. When your anger is rising beyond how you feel, realize that there is an empty space you have created. Fill it up with worship. Fill it up with a heart of longing where you say, Lord, I want you. The interesting thing about that scripture we just looked at, which says that, and he, and he took man and placed him in the garden to work and keep it. The word took comes from the word that is lapak which means Mary, to co-join. When God created man, he co-joined you and me and put us and placed us in the garden through Adam and Eve, right? In that sense, he wanted us to be people that worship. It was like a marriage. It was like a joining together, coming together of man and God for one purpose, who is God. He went on and he says he wanted him to work. The word work can be translated actually worship service. This is what we are called to do. Worship service. So worship is one thing that makes us unique. This is one thing that allows us to live a life of his presence. So it means every single day you need to be deliberate with someone who engages God from a worship perspective. Worship as you walk. Worship as you drive. Worship as you think. Develop a heart of worship. That's your position of success. And lastly, it says keep. Keep and protect because you are the watchman of the earth. Things are happening in the world and you wonder what do you do? You are the watchman of the world. You are the one who needs to get on your knees and pray for, for them. You've got a generation that doesn't know where it's going. You've got a generation that is unfathered. You've got a generation that doesn't have connection. 
Your job as a believer is to get on your knees and say, Lord, I come before you with this generation. I come before you with this people. I come before you with people that don't know you. I come before you with people that even know you. When you get to that point, you are now starting to trim and be relevant in the community as God has called you to. Next. Oh, okay. Um, well, I've been going on. Third slide. God's, div God's divine design for men is fellowship in his presence. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22 to 22 says, Let every employee listen well and follow instructions of their employer. Not just when the employers are watching and not in pretense, but faithful in all things. Right? Then it says, it qualifies why you need to do that. For we are to live our lives with pure hearts in constant awe and wonder of our Lord God. Worship means we live a life of awe and wonder. Worship means we look at God and we say, Thou art Lord, Thou art Lord my God, Thou art Lord my King. And we look at it and we say, You are God. You are the Lord Most High. Eternal God. So resolve it within you to realize that you need to move your lips and say good stuff and say the goodness of God. Because if you don't use the lips... It doesn't manifest certain things in your life. You were created as a vessel that speaks mysteries, that releases mysteries. Because you're uniquely created. And out of your mouth, when words are spoken, that divine life, transformation in the community is faster than you think because you are speaking God. You are speaking the very life of God. Next, it says, put your heart and soul into every, into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. That's the heart of worship. Let me encourage someone. You might be a nurse. Sometimes your calling is in that nursing environment. You might be an accountant. When you are dealing with your clients, when you speak life, that's your place of calling. And you miss it because all you're doing is thinking that you're pushing hours to get paid. And you miss that this is an opportunity that God has put in your heart to impact life to someone out there. You might be a student. And out of your studies, when you interact with other kids, you don't release the life of God that is in you to help them. But when you identify who you are, oh my God, my God, my God, God has raised many to follow him. And yet, he didn't raise men to follow him, only just for following him, so that he can impact the world outside of them as a form of worship, as a form of workmanship. So when you go out there, Realize that this is a platform, this is a pulpit for you to preach the, the worship and the life of God. <laughs> when you realize what is upon you, then it becomes significant for the other person. That's why it is important to establish a doctrinal position of what you believe and who you are. If you are not clear about who you are, what you believe, where you're going, it's not going to be effective in ministering Christ out there. 
It's only you take it from the platform where you realize this is what I carry. I carry what the world needs. At the opening of my mouth, life is created. Next slide, John chapter 4, verse 21 to 24. Let's read together. Okay. Believe me, dear woman. Believe me, dear woman. The time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain or in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of experience. For it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he who longs to have sincere worshipers will worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. This is Jesus coming to the world of Jacob. It's quite a long scripture, but there's a lot of revelation there. There's a transformation this woman has when she meets and she talks to the master. One of the things that happened is the master says, please give me water. And then she says, how is it that you being a Jew, ask for water from a Samaritan woman? The emphasis, because there were cultural values, there were settings that were there. But Jesus crossed the barrier so that he can deliver life. As you go down, he says, bring me some water. Out of, if, you, if, if, if you knew who I am, you would ask water from me. And then she says, she asks him another question, but how is it that you want to give me water when you don't have anything to take the water with? And yet, you don't have a well, a well you have dug so that you can give me the water. The conversation goes on. Then Jesus says, gave another answer. Then ultimately we came to advance. And one of the things that's important in a heart of worship is your heart has to be in the right place. Sometimes one of the things that has been spoken about is the heart. So in the Hebrew tradition or in the Hebrew scholars, one of the things that they have is a heart is a certain ratio. It's a ratio which talks about how you think without objection. It's like your natural state of thought. That's why they will use the word heart. So when you go back to study the Hebrew languages, when they talk about the soul, the nephesh, when they differentiate how the mind is and all, one of the underlying principles is the principle of heart as a theme. So you hear the heart, the heart, the heart. It's that inner you that needs to be involved when you're worshipping. So it means when we are coming before the Lord and saying, Thou Lord, my God, your heart needs to come in. Your thinking has to connect. Your physical posture has to come out. You want a manifestation of the presence of God, but you have to dig deep and say, Lord, I join. I co-join with my creator. I join with you with a heart of worship. How can I worship you, Lord, without an understanding? How can I worship you, my King, without the knowledge of who you are? And doctrinal position is key. 
A searching of scripture to establish who you are as a believer is key. A fundamental principle is you need to be founded in the word of God. In the teachings of God. Worship is when we focus our hearts on a single issue being God. We come to God with all our minds, with all our hearts, with all our strength, with all our being. And we come there and we say, Lord, my God, my King. That's what God is looking for. If you're an instrumentalist, when you play your instrument and you see the keys going in the heart of God, <laughs> you see the power of life coming out because you are a vessel that creates life. If you are a dancer, you know that David used to dance, and they say David danced until uh, his undergarments were all open, and it was not there as a decoration, by the way. It, it's in the scripture to inform us that during worship, we are called to actually dance. We are called to move. Somebody's given an excuse, but I am stiff. No, in your stiffness, say, God, you are good. God, you are good. Do that, because that's, that's why you are created. Do you realize that? We know the story of Samson. He was a man of strength, but he was one of the Judges who operated in within a realm where we call the judges as well. He his his end was he had to judge and put the pillars, two pillars, and things fell, right? But one of the things that he did, he used his strength to serve God. Worship is a deliberate is a deliberate and conscious locking of our focus on God. Worshiping is throwing our complete being into the divine who is God. A deliberate step where you say, Lord, I don't care what I'm going through out there. I put my heart before you today and I say, you are God all by yourself. You are the Lord all by yourself. That's when worship starts. Worship is focused gazing into divinity. Worship is loving Jesus. Worshipping is loving the master. You can do many things in life, but we, if we have not come to a point where we love our Savior, we're still a distance away. I will awaken you from an addictive side. Do you know one of the things that is real is, do you know that the occult is real? Do you know it's real? But what makes them succeed in what they do is because they know what they're doing. The believer who has got the real power does not care. We are content with singing and then we, we just say, Lord, yeah, it was fine. Yes, yes, yes. God wants more from you. God wants a relationship. When we are coming into church, the, 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 the things that are happening in the world, this next level requires you to grow up as a son. To grow up and take your place. Grow up and know exactly what you're doing. Do you know we get to worship here and there's a presence of God. Then you feel the presence of God. And sometimes we walk out of here without using the presence of God. Some people that are okay to go come and use that energy to do something else. 
That's why when there's a presence of God, we say, those that are sick, get the healing. It's not your routine and the structure to make a service go. No. It's the secret things of the kingdom. It's the secret things that God has given us. And we make use of them. So if you're with a problem and you're going through something and you're in a place of worship, don't leave with your problem. Come and say, Lord, this is what I feel and Lord, deal with me here. And forget what's around you and say, Lord, I need you, my king, my God. How to worship. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus answered, answered him, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. Number one, worship God with your mind. Number two, worship God with your heart, which is rational thinking or ratio. Number three, worship God with your emotions. It's okay to have some tears before the, the presence of the Lord. It's okay. Once in a while, you see yourself not holding yourself at the point where you allow God to speak to you to that level sometimes. Challenge yourself. Drew Joshua says, I can't take two weeks without crying before the Lord. Worship God with physical strength. Talks about dancing. Worship God by spirit, your spirit, and the Holy Spirit. I, I don't think I, I will finish this up. <laughs> Why don't you stand up on your feet and just begin to thank God that he is God who is faithful. Begin to worship him. Just begin to worship him. Just for one minute say, Lord, you are my God, you are my king. Let your heart speak to your maker. Let your heart speak to God who is faithful. Father, we want to thank you today that you alone are God, you alone are true, you alone are faithful. We thank you that, Lord, you are one eternal God, the Lord who is, the Lord who was. We thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are God eternal. You are God.